0: welcome back to the pool pro podcast how do you improve your relationship with the health inspectors in your area listen to this episode to learn how john mason works closely with service guys to create a winning relationship and stay tuned for a discount code at the end of the podcast to the world aquatic health conference on october 15 and 16 Pro Podcast. This is Michelle Cavanaugh with my co-host
1: Dave Rockwell.
0: Hey Dave, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. I'm sorry about all the fires that are going on in California and and then Oregon now too and our guest is from Oregon and and we're hoping that people are safe and healthy and if they're in danger that they can get out safely and we appreciate all the firefighters and everybody really putting forth effort in California and as I always say who needs superheroes when you have firefighters because that's the damn truth there. But I hope y'all are staying safe and healthy um, with everything. So the World Aquatic Health Conference is coming up on October 15 and 16. If you've never attended the World Aquatic Health Conference, I highly recommend doing so. For service guys, a lot of times I feel like they may think this conference is maybe at a higher level from a science perspective than what they're either used to or comfortable with. And I want to just encourage you to take a chance because you don't know that a lot of these Uh, Sessions at the World Aquatic Health Conference are actually applicable to you. You may think it's just a commercial-based conference, but really a lot of these topics and the things they're discussing are applicable to a service guy, even a backyard, if you're only doing backyard pools. So I highly recommend that you take a chance on the World Aquatic Health Conference. And if you stay till the end of this podcast, you will have access to a discount code that can give you a discount off your registration. It's on October 15 and 16. And our guest today is one of the speakers at the conference. He'll be speaking on Friday, October 16th. And this is the conversation that Dave and I believe is really important for service guys as well, because it's a conversation about your relationship with an environmental health specialist, somebody who potentially could be inspecting a pool that you service, whether it be motel, you know, hotel, motel, or maybe a, a apartment community or an HOA or, something like that. We think that this conversation is, is really important. So we wanna welcome uh, environmental health specialist John Mason from Deschutes County in Bend, Oregon. Thanks so much for being on today, John.
2: It is smoky up here. I was just, uh, you know, before the show started, we talked about uh, smoke and all this problems that smoke and local fires have on pool water quality. So I need to think about sending out a bulletin to my service folks uh, Talking about some of the problems that happen with a fire.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: That that's that's really good. It's not just a matter of cleaning the ash out of the pool, but it's what that ash is consisted of and what's what it, what it carried into the pool. And there, especially if structures are burning and cars, uh, anything with plastics or, or chemicals. Um, that's floating in the air and landing in your pool. So uh, some of these fires we've learned in past years, the Paradise Fire in California, uh, ended up with some pretty toxic water afterwards.
2: Yeah, exactly. So uh, my job is to kind of point that out to the service folks and say, hey, you know, if you're starting to get algae or algae blooms, there may be all kinds of phosphorus nitrates delivered via that smoke into your pool. So think about getting that stuff out of there. Mm -hmm.
0: So, John, you're going to be speaking really about the construction plan review from an environmental health perspective, but before we do that, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and and how did you get into inspecting pools and and, and in the pool industry?
2: Well, I don't think many people grow up wanting to be a health inspector. It's not, uh, you know, that kind of position. We all kind of end up there, and I started life as a fisheries biologist. I have a degree in fisheries biology. Um, So I started out with a good aquatic background, um, moved to Bend, sight unseen to take a job uh, with the public health division. Initially working on septic systems because again that's some water and biology and um, eventually moved into pools and have been inspecting and doing the plan review for pools now in Bend for about 20 years. So I am known as the pool professor in Bend and they all know me because uh, you guys can't see it on the radio, but I have no hair, and so I wear big hats. <laughs> and uh, Inevitably, the lifeguard or somebody calls and says, there's some guy with a giant hat checking out our water. Oh, it's John. I'll be down there in 10 minutes. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. it's supposed to be a... Uh, you know, a, a uh, inspection that's there to scare you. I'm not there to pistol whip people. My, my main job is education. Hey, have you heard about this or have you thought about this problem? And um, so I really want people to think about their inspector. Hopefully if they're a good inspector and they know their subject as an ally, somebody that can help you out to get the equipment you need, or maybe to, if I don't know the answer, I probably know the guy that does know the answer. So I will hook you up with, uh, you know, people who, who can help you service that problem you're having or give you some advice or um, talk it out like that.
0: Yeah, I know that you're a PHGA instructor as well. So you teach the CPO certification course. So you have, not only do you have the, your experience as an inspector, but you also teach, you know, the basics of, of pool operation and maintenance. So you have that on your side as well. I think one conversation that we have a lot of times is sometimes the pool guy knows more than the health inspector that's inspecting their pool. So it's it's hard sometimes for them to take advice from somebody who it's obvious they don't know as much as as they should in regards to pools. And I think you talked about you know a lot of these inspectors are having to inspect you know restaurants and pools and every aspect of inspection. So they can't be an expert in all areas.
2: Yeah, that's very true, and that's a good point, Michelle. Is I have been in this uh, a long time and I got to specialize in pools so I look back on my pool career before I was a CPO teacher and it wasn't nearly as effective I wasn't helping out my clients as much as I was after I started teaching CPO because as a CPO certified pool operator uh, teacher you got to have most of the answers uh, in your pocket ready to go so um, I became a lot better at my job as an inspector Yes, be be respectful of your health inspector. The, the, the relationship we want to have is one of ally. My job is to protect the public health, and your job is to service the pool, and hopefully the two of us can work cooperatively together. I started life as a fisheries biologist, um, but remember that most health inspectors have to do more than just pools, right? I mean, I inspect RV parks and hotels daycares school cafeterias all the various restaurants brick and mortar and mobile units and everything at the festival um, we do wastewater we do drinking water we do air quality we do solid waste so um, use your inspector as an ally to help you out and you know give them some advice give them a little education if you're good at this job you're going to be curious about how how to do things better so um, don't, don't be afraid to ask questions and give a little advice. And if you know you're right, you, know, you don't have to make it argumentative. Uh, point, out, point out some facts.
1: That's a great uh, tip. The, the, maybe the problem with that is that we don't normally meet on the job at the same time. It's kind of just coincidence if we do, unless there's a problem and, and the pool is being shut down. But even when that happens, it, it really, sh- what I would like to see is more of a collaborative and, and cooperative effort between uh, service tech and health department official um, to correct the problem, the, the core of the problem. And, and um, because it really, both of our uh, goal is to make the pool safe for, for the swimmers.
2: Right, and I usually end an inspection, especially something that's um, kind of contentious with, look, I'm here for an hour. You know this pool much better than I ever will. What, while, while we're in this situation, is there something I can help you out with? Are you getting the chemicals you need? Are you getting the reagents for the test kit? You know, is there something that's repetitively broken that, uh, that I can help with? I mean, and a lot of times it's a matter of speaking with the management to say you got to give this person more time to do their job. It's servicing a pool in a spa is not a five-minute job. Uh, you know, once once a week that takes a lot more effort. There's a lot of moving parts on a pool, so I will stick up for the for the service person if I can.
1: And that's the thing too that a lot of these facilities operate on a on a rather tight budget, whether it's justified or not, and um, so. I've always kind of looked at you guys like the crowbar that goes in their wallet and makes them makes them cough up the dough to fix what the real problems there that are there.
2: Right. I mean, I can't get you a raise. That's not in health code. But uh, you know, if there's some equipment broken or you're not getting the stuff you need, uh, by all means, I'll put the crowbar in there. That's that's a that's a good thing.
1: Um, and then the other thing I'll say from from our standpoint, from a service standpoint, is there are widely varying uh, quality of pool technicians out there uh, there there's guys who are just pool cleaners and who aren't really up to speed on on a lot of things and uh, so you know the the health inspector may at times point out the gaps in our knowledge and and um, if we approach that with an open mind we can go well you know I better learn a little bit more about that I better uh, you know, further my education uh, somehow, and and
2: uh, I need to up my game too. Exactly. My, there's the whole bell-shaped curve of good operators, good inspectors, bad inspectors, bad operators. Um, the vast majority want to know what they're doing and do it efficiently. So by all means, do you know what's on the health inspector's checklist? I mean, if you know that these are the 10 things that are really important, um, you can kind of game the system, right? Yeah,
1: right. Um, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by your background in, in, uh, the aquaculture aquatics world, because it's a, it's kind of an opposite side of the same coin. But when you think about it, it's like, um, you want to keep the good swimmers alive and (laughs) all the bad things that are swimming around there. You need to eliminate them, but you have to do it by radically different means when you're when you're dealing with
2: fish and things that live in the water full time. Um, um, that's an interesting point. I never thought of a pool as aquaculture. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I like it.
2: It's but, a new word. So, so what are some of the keys in,
1: in, uh, um, in aquaculture that, that are important to, to, uh, to those processes to keeping the fish alive and the,
2: and the water healthy? Well, in aquaculture, we're trying to keep everything alive, right? So oxygen and temperature are the main things that we're looking for in getting the waste out of the, wa- uh, out of the water that the fish are living in. Um, in a pool, we are trying to keep almost everything dead so that it's not infectious to the swimmer. Um, one of the biggest things we as an industry need to work on, that's not only service techs, but public health specialists and the folks that write the rule is to get swimmers to understand that they have a big impact on water quality, what we call bather hygiene. And so the whole idea of showering before you swim is huge. Uh, We can get away with a lot less chlorine in the water if people would just bathe. And so to that end, as a health inspector, I require a deck, a rinsing shower on the deck. Preferably, we want people to take a naked soap and water shower before they swim, but we'll take anything. and. I get a lot of pushback from people saying, well, it's just a waste of money. Nobody's going to use that shower. And I say, well, in a restaurant, we, you know, we make them put in a hand washing sink every 50, 60 feet, whatever. If you don't have a sink, we're going to get no hand washing and the food quality is going to go down. So same problem in a pool. If you don't provide those amenities, they're not going to use it. And water quality suffers because of that. Yeah, you need to
1: make it easy for people if you're going to try and change their behavior. uh,
0: Yeah. And I think you mentioned too, Dave, on a previous podcast, that maybe the only positive thing that may come out of this pandemic situation is that maybe people will be a little more aware of how they can impact other people with what's going on with their body, you know?
1: If you're going to carry a hand sanitizer everywhere and you're going to wear a mask to, to go into the store, uh, it's not that big of a stretch to educate people, hey, run run through the shower before you jump in the pool.
2: Uh, please, 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 please. I mean, yeah. the whole idea that um, there, there is this misconception out there in the swimmers world that chlorine kills everything instantly. And as a service tech, if you have any experience with chlorine, you know that some bugs are killed in a couple minutes. Some bugs can take hours to kill. And that means if somebody doesn't shower it off and send it to the sewer, it's now in the pool potentially getting people sick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, the thing that I'm talking about at the World Aquatic Health Conference is that same idea. I have to look at the plans of a pool before it's built and most health departments do the same thing, right? So they're looking at the pool plans, they're making suggestions, they're making requirements. And I have 20 years of experience doing that. And I wanna give the people that come to the aquatic conference some tips on how that can be done to be more effective for everybody, right? Everybody has uh, problems with not enough time and not enough money. So if we can know each other's game, um, know the perspective of each person in this whole big process of building a pool we can help each other out smooth out that uh that inspection process and a lot
1: it's not just on the construction end that that plan check uh is required I know down the health departments down here requires if we change out a pump if we add a chemical automation system or ozone or UV anything we're doing to change that room uh you you want a a plan check and an approval uh. For, for, for that, we, we don't just willy-nilly make repairs and add things w- without consulting.
2: Right, and part of that is trying to get a 10,000 foot view. I mean, if we're gonna change that, do you see that it's gonna have impact in these other two or three or four areas? So we, we at the health department try and take a 10,000 foot view to look at the whole system and how that is gonna interact with the whole system, the whole water quality that the bathers are exposed to.
1: And, that, and that's important, I think, because uh, equipment rooms change over time. A, t- a 10-year-old pool, uh, you, the plans that were originally submitted probably aren't going to match what's in the
2: room right now. And, right, exactly. And, be, you know, I see it all the time. People downsize. Well, we don't need that big a filter. This smaller one fits in the room. Well, yeah, but that's not enough filter space for the volume of water you're trying to cleanup and now you got to change that filter every other day instead of every six weeks.
1: So it's a, it's a good opportunity for us to uh, revisit our CPO training and do our filter size calculations, our flow rate calculations and, and uh, keep a, keep a sharp, but as well as keep the pool running in the most efficient best way possible.
2: Right. I mean, Um, I will, I offer to all the folks that I work with, give me a call. If you have a question, I want to be the person you talk to, not your neighbor's brother's uncle's, uh, you know, horse for advice. So if you're, if you're thinking about a new piece of equipment, um, give me a call. I can help you with the calculations to make sure that it's sized appropriately, if nothing else.
1: Mm -hmm. And one of the things, even the CDC recommends that people advocate for, um, supplemental sanitizers uv ozone things like that um i don't know what you're seeing in the field but when when i look at at commercial pools that, that have a number of bathers in them on a saturday afternoon uh i'm appalled at the water quality to be honest with you and and the majority of pools we actually in our podcast were went through a stretch where we were asking people in the industry that we were interviewing, would you get in one of those pools? And the answer is almost universally, no. So we have an industry that won't even use its own product. And, and um, so I, I think um, it, it's almost getting to be time, tell me if you think I'm wrong, that we, we begin to shift away from looking at chlorine as a standalone universal sanitizer. Maybe it does need a little help, a little augmentation and uh, start teaching people the benefits of, of um, reducing a little bit our chlorine use and, and oxidizing things in the water and, and killing things in the water with, with other means to supplement it.
2: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. You need to have lots of tools in your toolkit and relying on only one to do most of the work is, is always a dangerous concept. So, um, you know, something as simple as potassium monopersulfate to help you oxidize out those impurities, uh, having supplemental UV or ozone disinfection is great because that stuff is really powerful at oxidizing out impurities, at killing the bacteria, the protozoa, etc. So that... That is an essential thing as we move forward, along with educating the bathers so we don't get all that stuff in the water that then has to be removed. Place, so yeah. it's, it's a three-legged stool that really needs to um, be revamped, starting with the swimmer, uh, education for operators and education for inspectors. We could all be better at our job.
1: Yeah, and, and um, I would like to see how, figure out how we, we could have a, a campaign uh, to educate people about safe swimming behaviors. I mean, the, the drowning prevention community is doing a tremendous job educating people. Um, I would like to see a, a similar push on, on the um, water quality side. Because we are seeing more and more crypto outbreaks, crypto is is very hard to kill. It's the one thing chlorine takes a long time to get through that shell and actually kill the bug. Ozone's much faster, um, but it, uh, uh, as you mentioned earlier, one of the biggest keys is to get people to not introduce it into the water
2: in the first place. So in in Oregon, we require very specific signs for each type of pool waiter spa, slide. And one of the things that we have learned is that, uh, you know, we used to kind of couch sickness, don't swim if you're ill. Well, what's ill? And so in Oregon, we made the decision to actually use the word, scary as this is, diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Don't swim if you have diarrhea. And we don't couch that in other terms because people don't necessarily know what that means. Everybody knows what diarrhea is, right? So don't swim if you've had diarrhea in the last two weeks. We don't want it in the pool. It's not going to make you feel better. It's certainly not going to be good for the pool or the other bathers. So um, some of the resorts have a real tough time putting that word on a sign. Right. I agree, it's, it's an uncomfortable word, but it's, it's direct and to the point. Don't swim if
1: you're sick. We had a commercial pool designer, uh, Kevin Post, on a few weeks ago, and he said something that I think was one of the most profound sound bites out of, out of our podcast to date. He said he, we were talking about the difference between uh, European pools and the way they treat commercial pools in Europe and and uh, the pools here in this country. And, it, and he said it's fundamentally the way they think about the water. They think about pool water as if it were drinking water, because they realize you got your mouth open, you're gonna swallow some. Here, we tend to think of it as bath water. And, and we're okay with swimming in dirty bath water. The fact that there's 18 to 20 people in a cloudy, green, nasty smelling pool on a Saturday afternoon shows us that, that it's that fundamental mindset, I think, that we need to shift over. And a lot of people here say, well, you know, just swim with
2: your mouth closed. Well, if you're doing that, you're not having the amount of fun you should have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. As a competitive swimmer, you swim with your mouth right at the surface of the water, and you're getting water in and vapors in and all those chemicals in. And the other thing we're discovering is as we introduce more um, cosmetics or personal care products, into the pool water and it reacts with chlorine we're getting some real frankenstein molecules out of there if you have an indoor pool all those air molecules are trapped inside and not only are the bathers exposed to it but the employees that work there are getting a long-term exposure so again being able to wash all that stuff off send it to the sewer is going to make for much better overall health not only of the bathers but everybody working in that facility.
1: And that's one of the things for for my personal preferences, I'm very fond of ozone because ozone is such a powerful oxidizer that it actually removes a lot of the chemicals and byproducts of makeup and personal hygiene products, as well as pesticides, fertilizers, all the stuff that blows into the pool that we don't account for. We don't have any way of measuring it. We don't really know the whole toxic soup that's in there. Um, and that's why I'm a, re- a really fan of, a big fan of, of a well-sized ozone system to, to work along with the chlorine. And it also works to greatly reduce the chloramines in the pool.
2: Right, that, that one, two, three punch of having several tools to help keep your water clear and clean and appealing and healthy, not only for your bathers, but for you, the guy that's working around that pool all the time. Yeah, yeah. Most and- definitely
1: we uh and that's another point too uh, we did a lot of traveling uh through oregon we spent two weeks going all the way up and down the coast and the hotels we stayed at were all it, the pools are all indoors up there and um so that's that's a whole another conversation to have with besides the water quality you've got the air quality in that room
2: right and working with the international swimming pool and spa code we talk about indoor air and and how you have to be able to adjust it, right? A lot of these hotels are built with a static air handling system for that pool and they don't want it changed. And I say, you gotta be able to change that. You gotta be able to learn how to get more fresh air in or dump more air because the basketball team was just there for the last week and they destroyed your water quality. And now you have to hyperchlorinate or breakpoint chlorinate to burn out all that stuff. You don't want that just eating your, building elements, you got to get that, you got to open the chimney and get that stuff sucked out. So, um, you know, working with the American Society of Heating Air Conditioning and uh, Heating Engineers, I got that wrong, but um, there there are lots of smart people who know how to move that air around. We just need to make those tools available to our operators.
1: And that's something that's, uh, as a pool service technician going into a job like that and taking it over, we that's one thing we kind of don't have a lot of control over, but but there are still things we can do. Uh, the water quality, as you just pointed out, is directly related to the air quality in that room. Whatever what off gases from the pool is is what's going to be in the air in that room, and so um, d- making sure that the uh, uh, we have good filtration, we have maybe. I, again, in indoor pools, I would love to see a supplement, you know, a supplemental oxidizer to burn off the chlorine byproducts and lessen the amount of shocking that you have to do to the pool. Um, but it's not just the water quality, but on
2: indoor pools, it's the indoor air quality as well. And that, and that causes long-term exposure to the service guy who's maybe not even in the water, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And... And these, these boxes that we set over basically a fire. Uh, you know, put a box over a fire. What do you get? Holy moly. Got to get a chimney in there. So we have to make these systems malleable, adaptable so that we can adjust them low impact, high impact, lots of people, few people, et cetera. It's not a static environment. Right. And again, hey Tom, uh, can you
0: just Give us a little update on what you're going to speak about at the conference, a little teaser.
2: Yes. So um, at the conference, I'm going to be talking about um, considerations for a successful pool construction plan review. And, And my thinking was to give some of the people that do my job, public health specialists that review pool plans for environmental health for public health, some ideas on how they can make that simpler and easier for themselves and for everybody else involved. And and one of the basic concepts is when, when you are looking at those plans, who are you building that pool for? Are you building it for the owner? Probably not. Are you building it for the builder, the, the architect? Well, they're going to have their name on it, but they're going to move along. I want you to keep in mind that you're you really want to do that plan review with the operator in mind right? The guy or the gal that has to get in there and service that. And if they have to hang from a trapeze um, from the roof of the pool pump room in order to change that filter, that filter is not going to get changed out so often. So make things easily accessible. The whole idea of just threaded disk quick disconnects on all the equipment is make servicing the equipment easier, right? You don't have to cut the pipe and glue the pipe. so that's what my main talk is about is some ideas, some concepts for getting through the plan review easier with uh, cooperation from, from, everybody you're working with. And
0: uh, why do you attend the conference? What, what is the reason John that you attend the conference and why is this a conference that people should attend?
2: If you're in the pool industry, this is the conference to go to. And as Michelle said at the beginning of this show, it's not all highbrow stuff. Um, yes, there's some talk of chemistry and maybe that's a little deeper than you need to get into, but it's the place where we can learn about what's going on in the industry. What are some new products coming out? What are some new thinkings of solving problems? Um, it's great to be able to talk to other health inspectors, other operators, because um, as my mom taught me, you don't know what you don't know. and being exposed to a new idea and going, wow, never thought about that. That's a great perspective. Um, that's This is the place to to open up your mind, get your brain expanded, learn some new tricks, some new technology, um, make you better at your job, make you better at being able to help your clients uh, understand their options.
1: What I see with, with the uh, the other trade shows that are more geared towards you know, industry-funded education and and um, it, it's kind of old, the same thing we've heard over and over, just maybe a, a new spin on it, uh, maybe a little bit about how to work on newer pieces of equipment, but if you really want to know not only the, the latest and greatest of what's going on in our industry, but what the future is in our industry, the Model Aquatic Health Code, if you really want to understand it. Um, this conference is the place to learn those things. It's, it's, it's the most uh, in-depth and up-to-date information that this industry offers, I believe.
2: Yep. I, um, I always come away reinvigorated in my job uh, after going to one of these conferences. So that, that's a real shot in the arm that helps me uh, buckle down for another year of wading through pools. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And if you've never attended, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, if you've never attended this conference, I highly recommend it this year. And because it's virtual, it allows you to not have to worry about traveling to another state or having those travel expenses. So this is your opportunity because it's virtual to be exposed. And for those of you who sign up, again, at the end of this podcast will be a discount code. And if you sign up for the full two days, you can use that discount code to get a discount off your registration but um, you have access to the sessions for 30 days following the conference as well. So if you don't get to see every session you wanted to, or you wanna review one that you, you heard something and you wanna go back and watch it again, you have access to these sessions for 30 days following the conference.
2: Yeah, that's a great bonus is being able to see those conferences that you didn't get to attend. So yeah. having the whole conference available to you, you can go back and re-listen to something or uh, pick up stuff you might not normally attend.
0: Absolutely.
1: I mean, John's one of those guys we could, I, I could sit and talk to you all day, uh, but I, I know he doesn't have that kind of time, but I, I appreciate this so much. We'd love to have you back maybe after the conference and, and uh, get, get some more of your thoughts and, and uh, your impressions in the conference. And, and um, we really appreciate the time that you spent with us today.
2: Well, I, I am in charge of protecting public health, and I don't add chemistry to the water. So I want to empower the people that do take care of the pool to be the smartest and have all the tools they need so that we can work cooperatively. I don't want to be a cop. I want to be a teacher. Um, so that's, that's my perspective. Um, I want to help the people that are actually doing the work to do it as easily and safely um, for everybody as possible. That's awesome. We appreciate
0: that. A special discount off registration for Pool Pro Podcast listeners. Use discount code 50OFF when you register for the conference to get a $50 discount. The Virtual World Aquatic Health Conference is on October 15 and 16, and there are many sessions that will be valuable to service companies and builders. You can find a list of sessions at wahc.phta.org. When you register for the full two-day conference registration at four ninety five. You can attend any session you want throughout the day, and all sessions will be available to you for 30 days following the conference. You have until 5 p.m. on Friday to use discount code 50OFF to get a $50 discount off registration. Register now.
2: A new voice in the industry, a resource for all, education for you. This is Pool Pro Podcast. Build relationships and share important news as we get ready for our next backyard adventure. Pool Pro Podcast, backyard adventures are better together. Please take a moment to share, like, and review our content with all of those that would be interested.